Does life ever surprise you? Like where something happens and you didn't see it coming? Or maybe it just was not at all what you expected. And I'm guessing your answer is probably like, well, of course it does. And sometimes when it does, it's a really good thing. Like you just had this surprise, like, wow, I didn't see that coming. This is awesome. I'm thankful for that. Sometimes your expectations are far exceeded. But sometimes, sometimes when life surprises you, it's not a good thing. Like, wow, I didn't see that coming. And now, now what do I do with that? Um, or maybe sometimes when we're surprised or something unexpected happens is when we feel like we've already, like, are kind of to the brim of what we can handle. And then life, like, throws you another thing. And then it's really challenging because now what do I do? Well, today, as we continue in this series that is an epiphany series, all about how Jesus shines light into our lives and into this world. This series where we've been seeing various ways Jesus is revealed to us. Today, we're going to see in our lesson that for God, nothing just like catches him by surprise. There's not something where he's like, oh, oh no, I didn't see that coming. God, God sees it coming. And God works it all according to a plan and a purpose for his glory and for our good. And today we're going to see the glory of Jesus revealed in prophecy. The lesson we have, it's John chapter 12, verses 37 to 38. Even after Jesus had done all these miraculous signs in their presence, they still would not believe in him. This was to fulfill the word of Isaiah the prophet. Lord, who has believed our message? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Now, we were introduced to this some with our background lesson, uh, but just to refresh that we are now with this lesson. Um, Jesus, at this point, has already rode into Jerusalem um, on that Palm Sunday where he rides in on the donkey and there's the palm branches and all the excitement. So many people are celebrating Jesus and welcoming him. But even though there's so many who have welcomed Jesus and are celebrating Jesus, many of them are still really not understanding who he is and really what he came to do. And so when you read in the verses that lead up to our lesson, Jesus is really instructing them and he's really pleading with them. He says, you are going to have the light just a little while longer. Walk while you have the light before darkness overtakes you. The man who walks in the dark does not know where he is going. Put your trust in the light while you have it, so that you may become sons of light. When he had finished speaking, Jesus left and hid, him from, hid himself from them. So Jesus has been pleading with the people to put your trust in the light. And the light he's talking about is, is him. It's right here after Jesus has been encouraging the people that way to put their trust in the light that we get to our lesson where we see Jesus revealed in prophecy. Our lesson begins, it says, even after Jesus had done all these miraculous signs in their presence, and then we're just going to pause there to talk about what miraculous signs. Well, we're now, since we're to Holy Week, so the week that leads up to Jesus' death on the, the cross, that means that his whole ministry basically is before this. And so all these various miracles that we've been talking about throughout Epiphany season or any miracle you can think of Jesus' life, uh, most of them, I should say, there are maybe a bit after he is, there's a couple after he is raised back from the dead. But most of these miracles you think about have taken place. So feeding of the 5,000, feeding of the 4,000, healing people, raising them back uh, from the dead. The most notable one in this context 
is how he raised his friend Lazarus back from the dead. So you may recall that Jesus had this buddy Lazarus. He found out Lazarus was sick. And instead of coming to heal his friend, he actually purposely waited where he was until Lazarus died. And then he came and arrived four days afterwards. And then Jesus said, Lazarus, come out. And dead man Lazarus comes out of the tomb back to life. This miracle is the one that really had people just pumped up and was a big part of the fuel that was really behind the Palm Sunday celebration. People were talking about Lazarus and what had happened there. And so when we think about these miracles, realize that the people had very fresh in their minds the fact that Jesus had raised a man back from the dead very recently after he had been dead for four days. We're told, though, that even after all these miracles, including raising Lazarus back from the dead, they still would not believe in him. Now, we talk about believing in God often in church, and we talk about having faith. It's good for us to make sure it's clear in our minds of what belief and faith are about. Again, if you're someone who takes notes or if you find that helpful, I have some notes here in your worship folder. I'm going to work to do that more often because I know um, for, for some people that's, that's very helpful. Um, and so this will be a spot to get your worship folder out if you like to take notes and you can use the pencil in front of you. The word believe, it literally means to be persuaded of something or to be convinced of something. So belief, it's not like this power you work up where like I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have enough faith or I'm going to believe in this. It's the idea that you've been persuaded that something is true or convinced that something is true or maybe even more so that something or someone is trustworthy. This has been a, a helpful insight for me that I've realized recently in that, that in God's word, the words believe, faith, and trust are all connected. Belief and faith, all at their core, are about trust. It's that you are convinced that you can trust in someone. Actually, the, the words that we translate sometimes faith are often used to, to translate the word that means trust, like they're just, inter, they're just intricately connected with each other. And so when you think about this verse that we just read before, John 12, 30b, or 12, 36b, when Jesus says, put your trust in the light while you have it, you could you really interpret that, put your belief in the light while you have it. And then in our lesson, you could say they still would not trust in him. It, they're, they're that connected. Belief and trust are so connected to each other in, in a way where if you think about how it works with a child, this can maybe help us understand why they're so connected. So a child, when they're being lifted up by a parent or a grandparent, and they're, you know, maybe you're doing that fun lift thing and they're, they're laughing and everything, when you're doing that, that child is laughing, not scared, because they are fully convinced that they are not going to be dropped, right? They are fully convinced that you are safe. They are convinced of that. They are persuaded of that. They trust you. This is the idea with biblical faith or biblical trust. So again, if you're a note taker, get your worship folder out. So what is, what is faith about? What is believing about? It's about being persuaded. It's about being convinced. And then the word faith is directly connected to trust trusting in someone. And we're told here that they still would not believe in him. They still would not trust him. And it's this lack of belief, it's this lack of trust where we see Jesus 
Jesus here, his glory revealed in prophecy. Our lesson, it goes on to say, this was to fulfill the word of Isaiah the prophet. Now, when you look at the word fulfill, again, we talk about this often, especially when we talk about prophecies. If you just do a little flip with the word, it can really help you understand what fulfillment in scripture is all about. So the word fulfill, it literally means to fill up or fill full, to fill to capacity. So I say I've got this glass right here, right? The glass forms the structure of something, and I can take and I can fill it up with water, which I'm not going to do any special trick and turn it into wine today like a few weeks ago. That was, that was a few weeks ago. But, you know, could fill it all the way up. I've just filled the cup. Really basic concept, right? When you see the word fulfill in Scripture, that's the same idea. So there are some words in Scripture or there is a concept in Scripture that when it's fulfilled, it has been filled all the way up. This is the idea with biblical prophetic fulfillment. But now when we think about prophecies in Scripture, there are various kinds of prophecies and various ways that those prophecies are fulfilled. Often we think of ones that might give like a specific detail, and then that specific detail happens. Like so for instance, back in the Christmas season, in the Old Testament you have Micah 5.2 where it says, But you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, <coughs> excuse me, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old, from ancient times. So where does that prophecy say that there's going to be the Messiah born? Bethlehem. You don't have to try to say effort, though. That's a hard one to say. Bethlehem. So when the Magi come looking for the Savior, for the Messiah, even the, 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 the scribes at that time said, well, according to Micah 5.2, he's going to be born in Bethlehem. Prophecy, specific detail, specific fulfillment. But what happens also in Scripture, and actually more so in Scripture, is less one specific detail saying this detail will happen. What you see more often is that you will see either repeated themes or key details that get repeated or really fulfilled, filled up in Jesus. I've shared this chart with you a couple times, again, after the Christmas season, and I just want to bring it up again now because it's a great example of how Jesus in his life steps into the details of his people. And in that way fulfills them. So if you, are going, if you were to read through the beginning of Matthew's gospel, there's this incredible step-by-step -step process where Jesus is really fulfilling the story of God's people in the Exodus in the Old Testament. So if you check on, come on through. So you start with Jesus. Um, you have the oppressive king who kills baby boys. Um, it's this really sad part of the, 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 the story after Jesus is born. Well, if you go into, into Egypt, you have Pharaoh king who oppresses and kills baby boys. Um, we have God calls his son Jesus out of Egypt. Um, God called his son Israel out of Egypt. You have Jesus moving to Nazareth. That's the one that seems a bit confusing at first, but the more you dig into it, you can see that that works with and connects with the, the Old Testament language about how God brought a vine or a branch out of Egypt. That's how he describes Israel in order to plant it in the promised land. You have Israel who passes through the waters of the Red Sea and the Jordan. Jesus passes through the waters in his baptism. That we also talked about a few weeks ago. Israel spends 40 years in the wilderness. Jesus spends 40 days in the wilderness. Israel fails to trust the test of trusting God to provide for them. Jesus passes the test. 
And so you have the, the series of details about God's people in the Old Testament, and then you see those same details reflected in Jesus. So you have repeated events, repeated patterns, repeated details. This is often, and actually I would say even more so, how you see biblical prophecy fulfilled in Jesus. Which is part of why, in your worship folder, I put this little thermometer here. Uh, and think not so much about old school temperature thermometer, but more about like fundraiser thermometer. So, and you can even take your pencil if you want and, and start filling it in some. You might have a part of the story that gets filled, that, like a fundraiser, like, oh, we raised enough fun money to fill the bottom part. And then there's another fundraiser that helps a bit more. Somebody makes another donation and helps a bit more. The biblical story of prophecy kind of works that way. You have this event and you see that story and then it's repeated later. It fills it up a bit more, fills it up a bit more until you get to the goal who is Jesus. He fills up that biblical prophecy. So what prophecy does he fill up here in our lesson? Well, we have this quote where it says, Lord, who has believed our message? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? There is a repeated pattern when it comes to God and relating with his people where they don't believe in him. They don't trust him. Right away, when we get to the account of God's people at Mount Sinai and Moses is up on the mountain, the people get impatient. What do they do? They create a golden calf or a golden ox and they start worshiping false gods repeatedly again and again. Even though they have God's word, even though they have prophets speaking to them, again and again, many of the people just don't want to listen. They, they, they don't hear it. They don't believe it. They don't trust it. As a matter of fact, often they persecute the prophets or like, for instance, Jeremiah is dropped down into a hole and they seek to try to kill many of the prophets again and again and again. If you read through the story of God's people, when God's people are presented with God's word, often they don't want to listen. Or if you have a prophet who goes and speaks the truth to them, and even though it's clearly laid out in front of them, and even if they are doing miraculous things, Say, like Elijah, God often did miraculous things through Elijah. The people often harden their hearts and refuse to listen. And we see this filled up to its completion with Jesus. That in the ultimate way, not only do they have God's word, not only do they have prophets speaking on behalf of God, but God himself now become the man Jesus, so being fully God and fully man, has been standing there in front of them, doing miracles, preaching and teaching, and now they are still not believing and not trusting in him. So right now at this point, the thermometer has reached the top as it's fulfilled in Jesus. But now as we think about the thermometer reaching the top, and we think about how this is a repeated pattern with God's people that reaches its completion or its fullness in Jesus, if it's a repeated pattern with God's people, that also means that we should be, be aware that it can be repeated not just in the time period leading up to Jesus, but it can be repeated today too, where many people don't trust in Jesus. And obviously we think about there's many people in the world, we might speak the message of Jesus, they don't want to hear it, they're not interested, and that's certainly true. But before we look out at the world, we always want to self-reflect in ourselves, right? Right? lay our sins before God and be transformed before we 
we're going to approach the world. So we need to ask ourselves, are there times when we don't believe? Now, this is where the definition of belief and faith is really helpful. Because we might be able to say, but you know, I know he's the true God. And I know Jesus is my Savior. Yes. Knowing that is one thing. But trusting it always is another. And sometimes, if you're like me, while I know who he is, and I, I, I believe that in my head, to really trust it is, is another thing. To really trust that, okay, Jesus' sacrifice, his death on the cross and rising is enough. And I don't have to beat myself up over my sin. I don't have to show myself good enough for God. I don't have to do that. Like sometimes it's hard for me to really trust that. Or when it comes to the things of your life, like when you are stressed out and then life surprises you, to trust that God's got this. Or is our regular, our, our immediate reaction to go, ah, why? I can't handle this. You know, when we look around the things going on in the world, and do we trust that God, God can, his word is really powerful and his promises are really true. That he can really do what he says he's going to do. That he can really change hearts and change lives. Do we really trust that? If you're like me, sometimes I can know a lot about God, but do I really believe it with my heart? And I do believe it, but that's part of why I love Mark 9, 4. Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Because sometimes we can believe certain things, but have such a hard time trusting others. And so when we see these prophecies, these repeated patterns here in Scripture, we can see them in our own lives as well. Which is why it's a gift that in this lesson we're seeing Jesus' glory revealed in prophecy. We're not just seeing a reminder, oh man, people are lame. Gosh, can you believe them? And we're certainly not looking at this to go, man, can you believe me? I just have a hard time trusting. The point here is to show us Jesus' glory. And I love that in our lesson, when it says this was to fulfill the word of Isaiah the prophet, Lord who has believed our message, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed, this is part, these words, this prophecy here, is part of Isaiah chapter 53. And what's significant about Isaiah chapter 53, this chapter we read as our first background lesson, is that Isaiah chapter 53 clearly lays out Jesus' path to where? The cross, where he would pay for your sins and mine. So here's the really amazing thing about God is it's not only is he not surprised by the unbelief of people, God actually is so good, he had a plan to use the unbelief of people. He used it as part of how he would have his son go to the cross to die for your sins and mine. Even at the cross, people are mocking Jesus, and God uses it. God certainly doesn't love, God didn't want people to reject him. Jesus was calling out, believe in the light. But even in their hardness, God used it as part of his plan to lead Jesus to that cross where he could take all of your sins and mine, he could take the justice that they deserve, pay the price for them, so that your sin, your guilt could be removed. So that God, when he looks at you, he doesn't see someone who has a hard time trusting him, he just sees his child. So that you can know that you are right with him and have life with him. I put this thermometer in your worship folder not just to show that it fills up in that way, 
But when that thermometer reaches the top, what does that mean? We did it. Goal accomplished, right? The amazing way of God is that when the people rejected God himself and Jesus died on the cross, he said, it is finished. Or the word really describes reaching a goal. God took the greatest rejection of him and used it to accomplish the goal for all of us, to set us right with him. That's how incredible your God is. We have this prophecy about how people reject him, reject him, and reject him. And as that prophecy is fulfilled, God's plan of saving you and me is accomplished. Wow. Are you kidding me? That's amazing. And what does that tell you then about God and his plans for this world? As you think about this, this broken world, if God can take people rejecting him to the point of killing him on the cross and use it for his plan... And if people rejecting God was filled all the way up already in Jesus, then is there anything going on in the world today that God didn't see coming and God can't handle? He already completed the goal of Jesus of setting us right with him. Is there anything going on in our lives in this world that will blindside God that God cannot use for his plan and his purpose for your glory? You might go home and you might look at all this stuff. And you might look in the mirror at yourself and go, man, I did not expect that I would be here right now. And you might even trip up in your faith life sometimes and go, I did not expect that I would be able to do that. Or struggle. I didn't think I would be one who would struggle with this. God is not blindsided. And when you and I come before him, and first of all, we lay our sins before him again and again, Guess what? There we see that God fulfilled the goal of setting us right with him. And when you actually bring your sins before him and embrace what he's done for you on the cross, and when you believe that and trust that, God's goal for you then has actually been reached. God loves to assure you that you are forgiven and you're right with him. And when you bring what's going on in this world and in your lives, and you're like, God, I didn't see this coming, and you know what? I don't know what's coming tomorrow. When you come before him and remember that he is able to take all of this, any of this, and fulfill his goal and his purpose, God loves, loves that. Because then you know what's happening? Trust in him. Sometimes life catches us off guard. And looking forward, who knows what's coming tomorrow or the next day. Um, I just thought of this here in this moment. Someone was telling me... um, that they were listening to some of our old sermons on Spotify. Side plug, if you're a podcaster, we're on Spotify. Anyway, um, and they were listening to our sermons at the end of 2019, the beginning of 2020, and they said it was really eerie to listen to some of the things we were talking about and then know that COVID happened, you know, a couple months later. Like, who, who knew, right? We had no idea. Who knows what the who knows? Guess what? God's not going to be blindsided by anything that comes your way in the year ahead. He never has been. He's not going to be. And so today, just let him throw, me, throw you up in his arms like you'd do with a little child. Believe in him. Trust. He's got this. He took people rejecting him and used it for his purpose. When you lay your sins before him, his purpose for you is, is being met because you're right with him and 
assured you're loved by him. He's got this. He's got whatever's going on today in your world, whatever goes on tomorrow. He's got this world. He's carrying out his plan and his purpose. There's going to be a day where you are with him in paradise. There's going to be a day where he returns and everything is set right. And this is what we can be assured of when we see his glory revealed in prophecy.